You are listening to the Woman of Faith podcast, hosted by award-winning author and transformation coach, Nancy Ruffin. Whether you're establishing your faith journey or just getting started, the Woman of Faith podcast is passionate about sharing stories of faith that will inspire you to boldly live the life you were created for. If you're ready to elevate your faith and step into who God created you to be, then you're in the right place. So let's get started. Welcome back. You are tuned into the Woman of Faith podcast, the podcast for the woman who wants to grow in her faith and build a deeper connection with God. And on this week's episode, we are tapping into Beyonce's new summer banger, Break My Soul. And as we do every week, we are taking the titles of popular songs and using them as the message for this week's episode and i mean listen this song dropped and everybody has been bopping to it you know and it's really created a buzz for her upcoming album the renaissance album and it got everybody vibing you won't break my soul let me tell you something this is such an on-time reminder, um, especially as we try to navigate some of the recent uh, things that are happening in the in the country, um, specifically around SCOTUS overturning Roe versus Wade. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast. Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about today, but I really want to kind of just dig into this idea of you're not going to break my soul, right? And how there's so many things within our daily lives designed to just break us down in spirit, right? So many of us are held captive by the daily grinds um, and just the daily pressures of just trying to, to, to be good humans, right? Trying to show up in the world and be productive, So many of us are held captive, you know, by our jobs and by our responsibilities and about the expectations that we have to show up. Others are held captive by society, by culture, by others' expectations of like who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to show up in the world, you know, and then we got politics and these politicians, you know, making decisions, you know, for half of the population simply based off of their own religious views. You know, we're going to talk more about that um, in the second segment, but, you know, there's a danger uh, when we allow our own personal religious beliefs to be politicized and to dictate what individuals should or should not be doing. Um, you know, so I, I wanna I want us to really think about that as we get into this week's um topic, you know, and this is a faith-based podcast, you know, and I do believe in God and I do believe in Jesus. Um, but we have to, I think, think about some of these things with a very critical mind and not impose our own personal beliefs and allow them to become the law of the land, right? Because the minute we start chipping away 
at the individual rights and freedoms of certain groups in this country, it creates a snowball effect. It creates a domino effect. And all it takes is one domino to drop. And then that's it, right? Everything else starts to go along with it. And so when I think about this song, Break My Soul, and when it came out, I was like, this is so timely because it's such a song of liberation. And what it's calling us to do is really to let go of everything that's trying to break us, everything that's trying to hold us back. Um, it's it's calling us to release everything within us, right? And not just the bad, right? Not just releasing the stress, not just releasing limiting beliefs, not just letting go of our past, you know, and all of the toxic uh, things that we have allowed to just in, to seep into our minds and that we've internalized and that we use as a crutch, but really to also release all of the good that is within us as well, right? To release love, to release joy, to release peace and understanding and release kindness. And then ultimately to release our potential, right? To release everything that God gave you so that you could really start to live your best life. And so when I hear this song, it's like, wow, this is what liberation looks like, right? And when we think about freedom and what true freedom is, true freedom can only be found in Jesus, our Savior. And so when I go back to thinking about this overturning of Roe versus Wade, that in essence strips away a woman's right to make her own decision about her body, I, I, I just, I honestly, I, I have so much to say about this and I don't want to give it away because I, I have a special guest that we go in depth about this, but I want you to think about your yourself without even thinking about your own views on abortion or whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, but just imagine that if you, if a decision about yourself was taken away from you and, and, and now the government has said you are not allowed to make this very personal decision over your body and over your future. And this only happens to women. Men have, nev have never had any legislation over their personhood, ever. And especially when we think about this landmark decision and how it's going to affect so many lives, people that are actually alive right now <laughs> um, because we can debate on when a fetus um, is, becomes an actual living thing or is an, a living person like that can be debated. And unless you are a medical professional that has studied uh, that has studied that, like no one is qualified to say when a fetus, you know, becomes an actual uh, living person 
with rights, right? The same as a, a child that is born. Um, and I say all that to say that we have to just be really careful of, of allowing our personal faith-based values and beliefs to influence laws and legislation that affects so many people. Because not everyone that lives in this country is Christian. Not everyone that lives in these countries that are going to now be held accountable um, for following this new legislation believes in the Bible. There are so many people who don't even believe in God. So how, how dare these legislators and these politicians and the Supreme Court in, uh, impose these laws that affect so many people who may not necessarily have the same beliefs, you know? And so when we think about the things that break our soul, what are we doing? How do we then, um, mend ourselves back together so that we're not falling apart. And so that we do not allow, um, more of these types of things to truly break us and divide us and keep us separated because really that's what this does right? It's all about divide and conquer. Because if you can get people divided and fighting, right, then there's no unity because the power comes in people being united. And when you have division, right, then you, you're separating people. And then it makes it so much easier to take over. And we have to remember the foundation of what this country was built on. It was always about divide and conquer. And so as we get into this week's uh, topic, I just want you to think about yourself uh, and your own liberation. And in what ways do you need to be liberated? Like, what do you need to release um, from your own life and from your own thinking? And how can you use that release so that you can find true freedom in in God and what he's calling you to do and how he's calling you to serve even right now in this time in history. And I just want, you know, we have to be very careful when, uh, when we use the Bible and when we use scripture to defend our beliefs, um, because nowhere in the Bible does it explicitly say that abortion is forbidden. and we have to also remember that at the time that the Bible and the books in the Bible were created, that Jesus was very much against the law of the land and even religious law. So we, and I'm not here to say one way or another, you know, which way that you, um, you should believe or what you should think. But I'm just saying that we have to be very careful in using scripture to fit our own personal agendas, um, and be careful who you listen to. This is why it's so important for you to get in the Bible yourself and understand the word so that you can really derive from it, um, your own understanding about it. In any case, um, if you have not heard Beyonce's new song, I don't know where you've been. You might've been under a rock because this thing has been all over social. Everybody is talking about it. 
Um, and I'm going to just play a little bit as we head up into this break. Um, and when I come back, we will be joined um, by my special guest this week, Brenda Aviles. She is one of the women in my Women of Faith Bible study. She is an educator. She is the founder of the BIPOC Teachers Lounge, and she has such great insight on everything. Um, so when we come back, you know, we're going to get right into this conversation. You are tuned in to the Women of Faith podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Brenda. I'm so excited to have you on this week's episode. How are you? I am good. I'm excited and I'm nervous to be here. Girl, please. This is a conversation between two old friends, so there's no need for you to um, be nervous. Um, but I just want to welcome you to the Women of Faith podcast. I'm so excited to be able to be talking to you specifically today as um, we see, you know, this huge, huge issue um, in the media with SCOTUS overturning Roe versus Wade, what that means for women, how they have, how government has politicized um, a woman's body, our autonomy to make decisions for ourselves, and also how they have um, confused or, or they're trying to connect church and state when we know that there should be a clear separation and they are allowing their Christian views and beliefs to now pass this law that affects half of the population who may not even be Christians, who may not even have the same shared beliefs. So we're going to get into that. Uh, and I haven't mentioned any of this, like I haven't talked about it at all on any social platform. Um, because I wanted to save it for the, the podcast. Um, but before we get started, I just want to introduce um, my audience to you. Brenda is an incredible, fierce woman, uh, so smart, so full of wisdom. She's an educator. She is the founder of the BIPOC Teachers Lounge. She is also a woman of faith. Um, and we're going to get into all of these different aspects of this incredible woman. So what, what's been going on? Let's talk a little bit about this Roe versus Wade decision. What are, what are you feeling? What, what were your thoughts as soon as you heard the breaking news that it had been overturned? Okay, so first, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here and sharing this time with you. And two, I was not surprised because we knew last month that this was coming. You know, it just felt like Margaret Atwood had it right. Right? We are now entering The Handmaid's Tale, whether you subscribe to this or not. And, and one of the things that first came to me was the hypocrisy of it all, you know, and how this has absolutely nothing to do with life and everything to do with power. It has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity or your beliefs. It is all about power. And so, you know, I, I wish I could say that I was outraged, but I'm actually yeah. not because I'm not surprised. I mean, I guess this country has had a history of waging a war on women. You know, even, I mean, all of the rights that we have today, we had to fight for, they were not easily given. 
you know, um, and so when you talk about that, this is a decision based on power. Talk to me a little bit about that. What what do you mean when you say that it has nothing to do with Christianity or but that it's more about power? So because if they really cared about life, the sanctity of life, then they would care about that life after this child comes into the world. Right. And they actually do not. You know, as an educator. I happen to know, right, the struggle that people have, the struggles that students and children have when they come into the school system, and they're really just left to fend for themselves. You got to figure out where to find your services. You got to figure out who has access to them. You got to figure out who can help you get them, whether you qualify the paperwork you got to fill out in order to get the help that you need, and then you're judged for needing help because you're not self-sufficient or you don't work hard enough. Like all of these myths that are attached to the American dream are also attached to how you live in this country. And none of it has to do with the sanctity of life. Girl, I wish that they cared this much about human life when Trump had these kids locked up in cages, when these children were being separated from their parents to fend for themselves to be put in cages, to, to not be treated. You know, no one knew if they were getting fed properly, if they were receiving three, you know, nutritious meals a day, that their healthcare needs were being met. Like I wish that they had put the same energy into advocating for the sanctity of life when we have actual children who live in poverty, who are suffering, who are being separated from their parents. I mean, it's true what you say, talk about hypocrisy and yet, you know, they want to use scripture and the Bible as their main argument for the sanctity of life. Because when you hear, you know, these politicians and these lobbyists, the ones who advocate, you know, for pro-life, that is what they always turn to. And I want to I want to get your opinion on this specifically as it comes from, has to do with the religion, um, because I know that you, I just I, I love the way your mind thinks. What, what goes through your mind when you hear them try to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, try to, 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 to make a case for pro-life based on the Bible and what quote unquote scripture says. Listen, it's a farce. Jesus said, many will call my name, right? And these, right? These, these are not his people. There is absolutely no Christianity. There is absolutely no God in any of these decisions in terms of, you know, just this decision, right? Because we know that after the life is here, there is a complete abandonment of that life. And when I think about what you mentioned, you know, the cages, it's how we dehumanize the other in this country. And that also is not in line with Christianity, right? So basically what you want is, you know, women to produce children for what purpose? Right. Right. That's the, and, and, and what they're doing is they're actually weaponizing Christianity, and they're using it as a shield and they're using it as a tool to get what they want. And there are people who are foolish enough to actually believe that these politicians are aligned with their religious principles or religious beliefs when that is not the case. You know, they don't talk about the abuses in foster care when parents can't take care of these children. They don't talk about how difficult it is to get adopted once you become a preteen or a teen, right? And so those lives no one talks about them. They only talked about in utero. Yeah, girl. And, you know, these are people making decisions who are not even qualified to make medical decisions. Like, who are you to say when conception starts, when a, a fetus is technically considered a actual person, you know, that can live 
on its own outside of the mother's body. Like there's so many other uh, things to consider here. And all they're looking to is to just like stop it at all costs because of the sanctity of life. And the, the issue that I have, and I wanna be very clear about this because I am a believer and I do believe in God and I believe in Jesus and I am very loud about that belief. But I also recognize that people don't believe what I believe. Not everyone has the same beliefs. So while for me personally, I would, and I can only speak to where I am right now in my life, right? Where I am right now, because we know we're constantly changing. We're constantly growing. Abortion is not something I would ever consider because it's just my own personal choice. However, what I am against is having someone make the decision for me. And we have to be mindful that that decision should be made between the person making it and their God, whoever is their creator, whoever they worship. At the end of the day, no one, not you, not me, not the government, not the Supreme Court, should be in a place of judgment because when, when we meet our creator, right? He is the, he, she is the only person that can judge us. And we know that the Bible, that we know that the coming of Jesus, the reason that Jesus was sent and born and died and resurrected was that so that he could atone for our sins, all sins. You know what that means? That means that people who believe in Jesus, who follow God, who give their life back, back to God, even if you are a murderer, even if you have killed dozens of people, if you repent, if you give your life back to Christ and you turn away from sin, do you know what that says? That means that God will welcome you into his kingdom. You know, so to sit here and pass judgment and to make a, a law, you know, that, that takes that right away from a woman, that I can't stand on that. And I think that all of us, especially believers, you know, you have to be careful about the doctrine that you're preaching out into the world because you are not in a place or in a position of judgment. We are here to bring people closer to God you know, to direct them to the gospel for themselves so that they can read it, so that they can interpret it. I can go on and on and I don't want like, you know, <laughs> so, many, so many of these Christians who are um, pro-life, they turn to Exodus um, verse 21, I mean, Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 and 23, as this scripture that quote unquote, um, you know, forbids abortion, but it doesn't, expressly forbid it doesn't say anything about abortion and I just want to read it so you I want to read it and then I want you to give me your opinion of what you think this is saying mm -hmm. so Exodus chapter 21 verses 22 and 23 say if people are fight and this is from the NIV if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely but there is no serious injury the offender the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows but if there is serious injury you are to take life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot burn for burn wound for wound bruise for bruise you hearing that what do you what are you hearing like what what, what does that 
scripture say to you? I'm definitely not hearing anti-abortion here, right? right? The, clearly there is an altercation. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's very different. And, what if, and, it, and, you know, even just hearing the eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it just reminds me of how we don't live by that doctrine anymore. Right. And so we can't cherry pick our scriptures. Girl. And that's really what all that's happening is we're cherry picking, right? The Judeo portion of our Bible, which we know that Christ came and said, no more. There is right. a new, there is a new. There's doctrine. a covenant. Right. And so, and so that's, that's what it just, these are people playing God, right? Because it's what you said, my relationship with God, my decisions, I make them with him, not with the public, not with politicians, right? And not with someone else's opinion. And I think something that people forget is that all of your sins are weighed equally. Yes. A sin is a sin is a sin. So you standing up there lying about what you're going to do, or you standing up there imposing this law on women, that you also have to account for that. Right. Right. And yeah, it's like, it's the audacity, the audacity for me. And the fact that it's a, a law that is applicable only to, to women yeah. is what I can't wrap my head around because you are just saying that this group, I mean, it takes away from equal rights. When we think about all of the work that has gone behind equal yes. rights, there is no equality behind this decision because it doesn't also take into account the man that is responsible for imprisoning this woman. There's no, you know, consequences for that individual. Never. No um, mandatory vasectomies for men who just go around and have dozens of children and take no responsibility for them or accountability and put them on to the mom or to the state to take care of. Like, it's just like all of it, all of it just blows my but mind. Nancy, this also reminds me of the Garden of Eden, right? We only held Eve accountable. Or, yes. We, we don't talk about Adam being weak-minded and not being able to stand up for himself and say, absolutely not. Where was he? Where? Yes. And then yet men, men are supposed to be the more powerful, quote unquote, right. gender, the smarter ones. And clearly from the beginning of creation, we see just how stupid they are, easily, <laughs> easily manipulated, right? Because I mean, it's true what you said, like how weak-minded could he have been when God commanded both of them specifically not to eat from the garden of you know, from the fruit of the tree, and all it took was a little tempting from Eve, and he was like, okay, you know, and they went and they changed the whole course. Right. But, and again, there is no accountability for the men. It's always judgment upon the woman. It's always the woman who has done X, Y, and Z. And again, there is an, an, an it's not equitable. Right. Because he is just as grown and just as responsible for the seed that he is planting. The same way that we're responsible supposedly for birth control, he's also responsible for his birth control. But, but we don't see it that way. And so th this is really just, it's just such an insult. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, for us who live, you know, in states like New York and New Jersey, where, you know, states still maintain the, you know, the, the uh, control over this issue, um, it's not a big issue really for us, right? Because nothing here changes yet. Let me just say that it hasn't yeah. changed yet. But when you look at other states, you know, across the United States that have imme are immediately kind of putting this into practice, you know, the ones that this is going to affect are 
the marginalized women, women of color, um, those who are not, who don't financially have the means to travel to a state like New York, Jersey to get the care because, you know, the, the women um, of the politicians of these other states, you know, they get pregnant and have unwanted pregnancies. They have the means to get up out from where they are and go find themselves an abortion. And yes. I, I want to be clear that just because you criminalize abortion doesn't mean you're going to stop them. That's you know, right. That's like, that is what gets me. Like they're just, it's just so stupid to believe that just because you put a law on the books that it's going to stop them because we know that murder, you know, is a capital offense. And yet here we had a few weeks ago, you know, uh, 19 people got gunned down in a school, right? So just because it's a law, it doesn't mean that it's going to stop it. And it's just like, I just, it makes and, me and, the people in power. They're just a bunch of dummies. They're not dummies. They're protecting their power is what they're doing. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, and they're just, they're, they're treating us like we're dumb. Yeah. You know, because they, they're telling us what they value. They value their guns. Yeah. Guns don't don't see any, that's right. We don't see them doing anything to protect the lives of children, right? right. Th their guns are more important than those lives. Yeah. But here they are imposing this on women. So it just goes to show that it really is one day they know the power that we have and they know that they have to sort of um, do what they can in order to interrupt that power or impede that power. Yeah, well, right. Because again, like I said, all of this is designed, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more, it's going to affect people of color, minority <laughs> women, uh, people who don't have uh, the means, right? And it's, it, again, it's so that they can kind of reclaim the power that they believe they're losing, right? Because this is, this is the whole reason that Trump won, Mm -hmm. wanted to quote unquote make america great again but what does that mean make america great again for who because it has never been great for women it has never been great for the lgbtq um community it has never been great for brown and black people so who are you making america great again for right white america who feels exactly. like all of us are coming to take their jobs you know, and take over the, the, the country and they're afraid of becoming the minority. So this, the is the way, this is the way for them to kind of reclaim. And so, also keep, keep people of color or marginalized people in general oppressed. Yes. Right? Because all I'm thinking about is what happens to the mother whose father walks out and there's no penalty for him, right? right? And she's left to bear the burden of raising children and has to figure out how she's going to feed them right? Maybe can't go back to school because now she has a mouth to feed, right? And it just keeps the oppression in place. And I think that's also the other goal, yeah. you know? Yeah, they don't, they don't want us to break those generational curses. They don't want us, you know, to minimize the wealth gap that exists. Like we're already starting, you know, 400 years behind everybody because yeah. of slavery and because of, you know, zoning laws and all of the things that came because as a result, of slavery. And you know what else? They also want to tell us how to believe. Yes. They want to tell us how we should implement our Christianity. And it has to be based on how they're implementing it and how they're using it. And I mean, even though America is a quote unquote Christian country, we are so diverse in, you know, the people that live here, like there's different faiths. There's people, you know, people that believe in Buddhism and Islam you know, like Christianity is not the only religion. And there are other religions 
that make exceptions, you know, for abortions. Yeah. And I think that every religion values the sanctity of life, but you don't see, you know, these legislators of these other religions mm -hmm. saying, hey, my religion says this, and because it says this, then we should make it a law. And I don't know, I don't understand why other people of, you know, other politicians of different faiths, like, don't advocate for that. Like, how are we allowing our faith to dictate our policy and our laws? So many things here, Nancy. One is the irony of the fact that the Puritans left England seeking religious freedom. Right. And here they are doing the same thing that they were fleeing from, right? Imposing their religious beliefs upon us. And I think that what happens with those other religions is that they don't have the political power. You know, they may be able to, you know, say, share a, a sermon or share an opinion, uh, you know, write an op-ed, but they don't have the political power to make that kind of statement and take that stance because as you know, right, the evangelicals have pretty much um, taken over Congress. Yes. I mean, and you know, let, let's talk about, let, let's talk about that for a little bit, right? Because so many people don't believe in the power of the vote. So many people don't believe that their vote even counts. And this is why we see so many, like, especially people of color, like sit out because they don't believe that the vote has power. I mean, when we think about the electoral college and all of those things, but if, if voting wasn't important, people would not have died fighting for the right to vote. You know, and this is what kind of upsets me also about our people because they, they, I think this country has also given us, you know, a sort of privilege where if we're okay, right? Like meaning like individually, if we're okay, we take that for granted. And we don't realize that just because you're okay doesn't mean that everyone else is okay. Like we have a responsibility for those who are not okay. To, so, so the ones that sit in privileged positions, you know, to use that privilege to advocate for the ones who don't have who don't have the access or who may not have the seat at the table or be in the rooms you know to make those decisions you know and when you say oh well my vote doesn't count it's like how dare you the reason you know when you sit out you don't make your voice counted and then we have this situations like this where a trump gets voted into power and he gets to now appoint three however many you know conservative justices to a position that's a lifetime position yeah. these supreme court justices are going to be sitting on that bench until they die and they have the power to change legislation you know all the, the laws and they're exerting that power right so there's a few things right i think something in terms of voting the fact that it's a privilege really gives us an out, right? Well, I don't have to, right? And I think you, you touched on something really important, which is this notion in this country of individualism, as long as I'm okay. And I think we, people of color, black people and people of color across the board are a communal people. right? And I think that when we are subjected to this oppression long enough, we start to internalize it and we forget that we're a communal people. And we forget that there's importance in thinking about the community as a whole, not just whether or not I'm okay, you know? Um, and the other thing is that a lot of us, like civics education is really important and it has been 
cut and cut and minimize, right? So something that happened to me a few years ago, and I remember thinking like, oh my God, I was going in to vote and there was a bunch of judges that I had to vote for and I knew nothing about them. Mm. And I was like, okay, Brenda, you did not do your homework. You did not do your due diligence. You don't know who you're voting for and you're actually not going to cast a vote now and right. miss the opportunity to put someone in power who is aligned with your views. And so that's something else is how do we make this information accessible so that people actually feel empowered when they're going into the booth and not feeling like, well, I'm not going to vote for that because I don't know what that means or who does that or who they are, or how they vote. And I don't have the time to look for that information. And granted, in New York, you get a pamphlet that tells you what everybody is, you know, what their positions are. But, you know, we're in primaries. I didn't get anything for the primaries. Right. And so I had to go and do my homework and say, okay, so who's up? What am I voting for? And what do they believe? What do they stand for in order to continue? Because I have to tell you, the apathy is real. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also not what do they believe or what do they stand for, but what have they stood for in the past, right? Because that's really the true indicator of what they stand for. Because people can say whatever they want to say when they're running, when they're right. campaigning. Right. But you have to see what their record is. What have they done in the past? And, and does that align with what they say that they're going to do? You know, and I think like to Trump's credit, he was very uh, transparent on his views and who he was. He never like lied. I mean, he lied about other stuff, but he mm -hmm. never lied about what he wanted to do in this country. He was very upfront about it. And I think that that woke a sleeping giant. It woke up, you know, a large part of the population that had those same beliefs, but were afraid to yes. verbalize it because, you know, it's not politically correct. But now you have, you know, this man in a leadership position that's saying, no, like, this is what it is. And this, and this is what I want to do. And now that empowered everybody to come out. And that we saw, you know, some mm -hmm. of the results, some of the consequences. And no that. one them. No one's the, nobody stood up to him. He got away with it. And oh. that empowered, that empowered other people to do so. And so there is no longer any shame. Right. I mean, honestly, to see even now, you know, these hearings for what happened on January 6th, that it's really cut and dry, in my opinion. Like we all saw it live, like on TV, like what happened. And that yet they're having hearings for what? Like the proof is right in front of your face. Like, I don't even know what they're trying to hear and what you're trying to prove. Just put the tape, right? Like all you gotta do is really just see what's there in front of us. And yet, you know, we're holding these hearings, you know, to decide whether people should be held accountable or not. And to me, it's like, it, it is, you know, black and white in this case, because we saw it unfold in real time and people actually lost their lives on January 6th. Yeah. Yeah. It also reminds me of just th that's just the nature of this country, right? That disbelief, that cognitive dissonance, because I thought George Floyd was also black and white, right? Oh. We, have, we have the videos of all these black men and women who are just killed, you know, without without a thought. And still yet we're looking for proof and needing evidence and going through the song and dance of it all for what purpose and to what end. All right. So. <laughs> I think we talked enough about this and I, we could talk like we can talk more because there's so much to say um but I don't want the whole podcast to be about this but I felt that it was an important you know topic to address especially because this is a faith-based podcast and I want it to be very clear you know that um there's danger in you know allow like allowing your faith and your belief 
to determine, you know, policy and legislation, you know, because then you're putting, um, you're giving the right of ju to judgment to man when they are in no position really to judge. Like that right remains with God only. Okay. Like he's the only one that can judge us, you know? Um, so I wanted to kind of just, I wanted to shed some light on that. I would be really interested in um, seeing what our listeners, you know, feel about this topic. I would love for you to like comment on this podcast or just share your own thoughts um, because the only way that we can really get to a place of real understanding is understanding both sides of the conversation and you have to do so um, like think critically about it don't just allow yourself to be brainwashed by what <laughs> other people are saying you know and if you really want to see what the bible says then get in the bible and read it and challenge challenge people who say that scripture you know um, specifically says that abortion is forbidden because it does not. And even with, you know, the Exodus scripture that I, that I read, um, you know, the, there's this one line that many, you know, of these pro-life advocates tend to kind of harp on. And it's the, uh, the line where she said, where it says, if she gives birth prematurely, you know, they, it, it's, it's too ambiguous there, right? Because just because, Birth doesn't necessarily mean that you're giving birth to a, a child that's alive. To give birth prematurely, there's many stillborn births, right? right? When the babies die in utero and you still have to birth that child. So, so here's the thing. The other argument that they hang on to, and, 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 and then you're right, I know, because we could talk about this forever, is that it's considered murder, right? And that is very clear, right? However, we, again, we cannot cherry pick what we're going to legislate. And that's pretty much what's happening here, right? This is also a personal medical decision for many women, a medical decision that has absolutely nothing to do with your faith. Right. And, and that's the- To those women who have ectopic pregnancies where the fetus grows in the fallopian tube and there's never gonna be any opportunity for that fetus to develop into an actual baby and be born. Now, if that if that is not if the if the woman doesn't go, you know, and and get that fetus removed, they will die. That fetus will kill the mother. And so, like, whose life is more important at the, in that situation? Is the mother's life not just as important as this unborn fetus that you're trying to protect? Right, right. And the other thing too, for example, I, I had a pregnancy where the baby had died inside already. And I was given the choice. Do you want to abort at home? Or do you want to abort in the hospital? I don't want the trauma of aborting at home. Right. By myself. Yeah. Without support, knowing that I've lost a life. Right. And now I'm being condemned for that choice for not wanting to experience the trauma of that. Because, I mean, the legislation says your life is not as important, that your yeah. life of the woman that's here, right, is not as important as this unborn fetus that's living in your body that cannot survive. They cannot, the fetus cannot survive unless the mother is physically healthy. So how are we prioritizing that life over the life of, a per, uh, of someone who is already existing in the world? dehumanizing they're absolutely dehumanizing women yeah and it's again back to the war on women i had a really great conversation with brenda 
It was so great that our conversation lasted for an hour and a half. So for that reason, I am breaking up the interview into two parts. So this concludes the first part of the You Won't Break My Soul episode. Make sure that you join us next week so you can hear part two of the interview where Brenda talks about her journey as an educator. She talks about the necessity of the BIPOC Teachers Lounge, this platform that she has created specifically for teachers of color to discuss um, and to find community amongst each other with some of the things that they are faced with and they're challenged with as educators. And then lastly, she talks about her faith journey and how, like Peter, the disciple, she struggled back and forth with her relationship with God, with trusting him, and how she often put him to the test to really see if he was about about it. Uh, I loved that part of the conversation. So make sure that you join us next week for part two. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do so. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please leave us a rating, a review, a comment, and share. Share with whoever you think might benefit from this podcast, who might be struggling with their faith. Maybe they're trying to rekindle their faith journey. You know, this podcast is for every and every one who is a believer of Jesus, who is a follower of Jesus, and who wants to build a deeper relationship. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Woman of Faith podcast. If this episode blessed you, consider supporting us by leaving us a rating, giving us a review, writing a comment, and sharing with your network. And if you feel really moved, you can consider making a financial donation to the link in our episode notes. Until next time, I pray that you are blessed, that you step boldly into what God is calling you to do, and that you never forget that you were created for more.